Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Back to that Chelsea podcast, episode 29, Derby Delight. I'm joined by Jack Davies as always. How are we doing, fella? Um, all I'm going to say is my heart rate's uh, returned to normal and the stress levels have gone down. So, yeah, I'm all right now. Yeah, relief, I think, is the over yep. overbearing feeling at the moment. And we're joined on the podcast today by a very special guest, someone who I'm sure the listeners are going to love to hear what she's got to say. It's Elizabeth Helenek. How are we doing? Hey, thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. And honestly, I'm doing a lot better now that Mason Mount scored. <laughs> and I'm glad that we have at least a little bit of happiness after that game to talk about. Yeah, it was. Thankfully, we won because if we'd not, I think I might have just had to disappear off Twitter till the Leicester game because it would have been <laughs> that bad. Um, this is Ellie's first time on the pod, and I'm sure most of you guys will know who she is from Twitter. Uh, but Ellie, you've also now moved over to YouTube, which I guess is good for you because it means you don't have to speak so quickly trying to fit everything into a little time limit on Twitter. But do you want to tell the listeners sort of where they can find your uh, socials and stuff where you're producing your content now? Yeah, so um, you might know me from Twitter. I post like a lot of videos on there. And I, I'm going to still try to post previews and reviews, I think, like quick snippets, um, even with the YouTube channel. And uh, I just started YouTube. I post a lot of fantasy stuff on there. If you guys play FPL, I'm like super into that and post a ton of tips and tricks and who you should be looking out for. And yeah, I'm going to start having guests on and hopefully streaming. So yeah, very, very exciting stuff in the horizon. But that's where you can find me. 
Okie doke. Yeah, make sure you guys check that out. And especially if you struggle with FPL like I do. Um, <laughs> right, we're going to get into the episode. It was a huge game for Frank and Chelsea. I don't think you know, talking about a loss would have been you know bearable. Uh, with recent form, we'd gone free in the league without a win. The pressure was on. We were in ninth, I believe, at the start of the day. Uh, it was Fulham who themselves were on their own nice unbeaten run with five draws in a row. And we saw them midweek get a point away at Spurs and they were very worthy of that point. Uh, Jack, I guess just over the feeling right now after that game, just relief. Yeah, big sigh of relief. Honestly, I was, I was getting stressed, especially towards the end when we hadn't scored. And you just know the massive backlash we'd get from everyone just... The own club's fans, other club's fans, Twitter, everything. So, yeah, just a massive sigh of relief, really. One of those games that uh, we can forget about very quickly because it was pretty poor. Um, but the main thing is we've got three points on the board and we've got a much bigger test on Tuesday that's a huge game now. Yeah, especially as Leicester play Southampton, I think, this evening. Um, or as we're recording this anyway. Yeah. Uh, Ellie, I guess quick your quick thoughts on just the match? I thought that it was pretty boring in the first half. Honestly, I was struggling to stay awake. It, it was really disappointing. I think the starting lineup, we could see that Frank Lampard opted for experience over then. I don't want to say merit, but I do want to say merit at the same time because I think we saw when Callum came on in the second half, he definitely should have started and he completely tipped the game on its head and changed it and made that impact. And we got a goal because of it. So I thought that the first half was basically throwaway. I thought we were lucky not to concede. We did have a bit of luck that Anthony Robinson got a red card, not that the foul itself, it should have definitely been a red, but just sometimes you need luck to go in your way. But at the same time, we're Chelsea. We should be beating this team easily without having to play against 10 men. But overall, I don't want to be too pessimistic about this game because we did get a win. I think that there's some questions that still need to be asked, but hopefully the team can use it as a starting point to build off of and face that Leicester team because it's going to be a really, really difficult match on Tuesday. Yeah, I'm not really going to focus on sort of individual players too much, but I do want to sort of focus, I guess, on a couple today. Firstly, was an interesting one. Antonio Rudiger actually returned to the defence. He was in place of Kurt Zuma. Uh, and Jack, I thought Rudy was you know, after a bit of a shaky start, a few maybe, you know, wasn't, I don't, I think at the start he lost his man a couple of times, but I think after that he was pretty solid, wasn't he? Overall, I'd say so. I know my mate Hugh would uh, disagree. He, he thought he was terrible, but um, uh, no, I thought on the whole he was all right. I mean, you saw the, there was a circumstance in the second half, I think Thiago Silva got up, headed the ball, then Fulham got the ball back, recycled it quickly, crossed it in again. There's Rudiger to nod it out made a couple of important interceptions and blocks. Um, especially there was one in the first half that was quite big when Fulham were starting to get on top. Um, so, yeah, no, I thought he did all right on the whole. And he probably did, uh, I don't know, not warrant a start, but when he's played this season, I thought he's, he's done an all right job. So it, it wasn't one of those that I was really questioning too much at the start. It was the other positions, like Ellie said, like, 
Callum, I don't know how he was, how he wasn't starting. We said it on the last pod. He's got to start the next game, and I, I honestly just don't get that one at all, mate. To be honest. Yeah, we'll get on to that uh, in a sec. Uh, Ellie, quick thoughts on Rudy? I thought that he was okay. I was actually surprised that he was starting because I last season something that I wasn't too keen on was that the centre back partnership was. Just and changed a lot and we didn't know which center backs were going to be playing and I think that it's really important for the center backs to develop some chemistry with each other and we saw that even Thiago Silva I think moved over to the right hand side to let Rudiger play on the left in his preferred position so oh on the whole I thought the first half I thought he was more shaky in the second half I think we had more control of the game anyway so he didn't have as much to do um, but I was a little bit confused why Zuma was benched, to be honest. Yeah, cheers, Frank. Cost me an FPL, that one. Um, but yeah, Rudy was, was solid, I thought, on the whole. And like Jack said, I don't really think he's put done really anything wrong this season, to be honest. So yeah, when I saw the lineup and I saw Rudy start, I didn't even notice Rudy was starting at first. So that sort of shows how much the lineup sobbed at me by surprise. <laughs> um, and the second player I want to talk about was Mason Mount. Jack, I thought, particularly in the first half, honestly, I thought he was Basically, he, he was doing the job of Kovacic uh, and Jorginho as well in that first half. Yeah, yeah, especially yeah, especially in that first half. But he he just shown again that he's our best player, honestly, by a country mile. I think just always wants to get on the ball and try and make something happen. Always looking to create. Um, and in the second half, I I actually really enjoyed seeing him play slightly deeper, um, picking the ball up, and then trying to fizz those passes into people between the lines. I know he's normally the one in between the lines trying to pick up positions to pick the ball up, but I thought he was he was quality in there and that just shows his versatility and that he's he can play that position when called upon. And then for him to get on the score sheet as well, I know everyone's always shouting, saying he needs to get more goals, he needs to get more assists. That's two and two now. Um, could have had two today as well with that with that. Uh, quick shot that hit the crossbar but a flipping quality finish from him there um, and I was buzzing that it was him I, I, I'd want it to be him or Callum to get that goal I was saying to my dad saying if Callum comes on and scores it will be a big middle finger up at Frank but no I was really happy for Mason quality performance again Yeah Ellie I thought Mason was you know on, on a day when I don't think many of our players were actually of the top of their game, I thought Mason was probably the only one, maybe along with Thiago Silva, I guess, that was sort of at the top of their game today. And he was he was pretty superb, wasn't he? Yeah, I thought that in the first half, he was the only one that really looks like creating anything. And the thing that I like about him is that he kind of looks to go forward and a lot of the players just play these back passes or these side passes. And I think that Mason actually looks and tries to figure out what he can do with the ball to progress it, how he can try to create something. And the types of shots that he's taking, they're not easy shots. Like he gets his body into really good positions. I was really impressed like that, that shot off of the crossbar, if that had gone in, like phenomenal and even the goal he scored it wasn't an easy goal so overall Mason Mount's like everybody a lot of people question why he starts but he's just shown why he starts and why Frank continues to pick him because he does his job and times 200 percent he was just phenomenal today honestly yeah and I think you know yeah 
Jamie Carragher, I think Jack said on Sky that Mace, you can see why, you know, Frank always picks Mason Mount. He's got a load of stars in his team, but Mason is always on the team sheet. And yeah, I thought Mason was superb today. And as Squawker Football said, Mason created seven chances for Chelsea against Fulham and no Chelsea player has created more in a Premier League game away from home in the past five seasons. So um, if people, and I know we're going to have some questions, we've got some questions today about Chelsea's lack of creativity uh, today. But yeah, Mason, a just phenomenal, phenomenal performance. And that kid, yeah, his stock continues to rise. And as Frank's said, you know, Mason does need to get on the score sheet more and sort of try and improve those numbers. But today, you know, took his chance and he got us a crucial, a crucial three points. Um, right. I think we've kind of talked about most of the players, I guess, Jack, maybe just a quick one. Mendy, you know, a bit shaky, a bit shaky. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. It's a bit of a touchy one, that I think for most of the fan base, it will be. Um, yeah, looked pretty shaky in quite a few games recently, giving away silly penalty against Everton, for example. Just distribution again today, I thought was pretty poor. And a few, like that one where Aspi has it all under control and he's come running out. And I'm just thinking, what are you doing? But luckily it didn't cost us today. But I'm not going to say I want Kepa back in because that would be a ridiculous comment. But it, I wouldn't put it past it happening, to be honest. Um, it's one of those. <laughs> yeah, it, exactly. Mendy wasn't perhaps the most convincing today, but but we moved. We got the job done. Uh, we're going <laughs> to go on to some Twitter questions, and I guess quite a few of these are going to revolve around the starting lineup. First one comes in from Trey Wolf. He says, with Kante suspended, do you think Jorginho should have played over Billy Gilmore? And assuming Kante is back against Leicester, when do you think we'll see Billy get his next chance in the starting 11? Ellie, I'll go to you on that one first. I think that Billy Gilmore should have started this game. Uh, I am not the biggest fan of Jorginho. I just I think that he's a good player, but doesn't really fit what we're trying to do. And it's just frustrating for me to always see him pass back, pass to the side. I feel that he slows the game down a lot. And I've said this for a year. I said it on Alex's podcast last February. (laughs) And back then it was like a very unpopular opinion. And now people have kind of come around and seen that. But I feel like Billy Gilmore is the future. I know that it was a must-win game, but at this point, Billy Gilmore, for me, has at least shown that he has potential to get a job done, and he's going to be working his ass off to try to do whatever he can to get the win. Not to say that Jorginho doesn't, but it's just when you're a young player, I think you just have that like extra hunger to try to thrive and impress, and Billy Gilmore is just such a talent, so personally, I would have started him, and yeah, I don't know when he's going to get his next start in the Premier League because I think for the time being, Conte kind of has that spot locked down unless we have a lot of games in a in a row and we might see him coming, but I don't know when he's going to start again. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Jack? Um, I, I agree, to be honest. I think he deserved the chance to start today, especially after his performance against Morecambe. I know it's only Morecambe, but he was pretty assured that day and I thinks his passing accuracy or something was like 92% or something like that something ridiculous um so I think he deserved to start but it was one of those that you've seen from the lineup Frank's gone against what he's sort of 
traditionally done over the last year and a half, you'd say, just trusting the young ones and going with them. Today, he went for a, a much more experienced team. I got my old calculator out to work this out, and the average age was 27.8 years old. So I think that's quite a bit. I know Diaz Thiago Silver in there, but even so, I think that's quite a lot higher than usual. I think it's normally about 25-ish. But um, So, yeah, that was interesting. Um, um, yeah. Fair enough. Uh, what was the rest of the question? Yeah, 25 <laughs> and I'm 26. <laughs> mm. The next question, uh, sort of is similar to this. Jack asks... What is the solution to the Jorginho and Kovacic midfield combination? Um, I saw Ellie's response to this on Twitter, so Ellie, I'll go to you first <laughs> on this. I just commented, don't play it, because I just don't <laughs> think that it works. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Jack? Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know Kante's going to be, he'll be straight back in the team, I think, after the suspension. No doubt about that. And then it's just... Depends what formation we're going to play. Is he going to play Mason a bit deeper? Um, we'll have to see. But, uh, yeah, don't want to see those two. Leave those behind, please. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Honestly, I think I think Jovacic is, you know, they've been well dubbed. It should have been left in 2019, you know, not alone, let alone 2020, but they're starting in 2021. So, yeah, I've got Jack, Jack or Valchmiss. I've never been a fan of both of them on the pitch. One of them I don't mind. But two of them, I just don't really see the use. And, I, you know, people ask about the lack of creativity. I think we're going to get on to that. I think starting those two is probably a reason why we did struggle at times with a lack of creativity. Next question comes in from Davey, who asks, how can we balance attack and defence? First half, so defensive with Cover and Jorginho, and it's all slow and negative. I guess it's similar to the last one, don't play them both. Um, <laughs> it's quite simple they do slow the game down quite a lot and just look give the ball just get Mason Mount on the ball that boy's always on the half turn always looking forwards and he's the one that can play those forward passes just give him the ball yeah. and I don't guess, play the other two <laughs> yeah I guess the more serious question mate, he goes what does Callum have to do to get a start again the game changed when he came on and I'll be the first to say I've not been his biggest fan but I'm warming to him so I, don't, I don't know. I, I said that he should have started. I'm the biggest Pulisic fan you will ever find. I love Christian Pulisic. Um, but Callum has looked a lot better. He's looked like a stronger player. Every time that he's coming onto the pitch recently, he's getting a goal or an assist or a pre-assist or just looking like the best player on the pitch, looking like the one who's going to create and our chance of getting a goal. So for me, it's frustrating. I imagine for him, it must be super frustrating. And I don't blame him because what does he have to do to get a start when both Pulisic and Ziyech really did not have a good game at all. So I really think that Callum needs to start versus Leicester. And reward, if it's a meritocracy, you have to reward him based off of how he's playing. What message does it send if you continue to bench him? No, I agree 100%. Jack, after Man City, and yeah. we had Jam on, he said, you know, forget Morecambe. Callum's got to play against Fulham. And, you know, yeah. I, I, honestly, I would say I had faith in Frank. I had faith in Frank that Callum would start today. And I was, mm. yeah, it was disappointing. Honestly, I don't know what he's got to do. But, I mean, he's got to start against Leicester now for me. And I guess then the question for Leicester. <laughs> I don't think he will. Do you not? I mean, not based on that today. If you, 
No, I don't think he will, but he should. I mean, I guess we'll see on Tuesday, but uh, I, don't, I don't know. If he doesn't start him after that game against City and Arsenal and then obviously popping up against Morecambe, didn't start him today, I don't see why he'd change from that and then start him on, on Tuesday, to be honest with you. Um, did, that's the one I just see, don't get. Did you see the comments? I think Frank basically said that it was a mistake that he hadn't started Callum today. Did you guys see that? I think I think he said he just said, "Oh, um, like that. uh, that's why the pitch was quite it, hard or something." Wasn't yeah, it? so, it's it's harsh on yeah. Callum maybe not to start him, which yeah. I can understand. Oh, maybe I won't attack attack the other two. Uh, and like blame it on one of those not playing that well and not being in the best of form. It, it, you don't have to like go towards them and go down that line. You just look at Callum and base it on his performances and he's got a start and then he's got a pick between one of the other two at the end of the day. Yeah, honestly, um, but, I thought it was pretty obvious. It's Callum starting, then you pick one of Ziyech or, or Pulisic. Exactly. But yeah, honestly, and, for Leicester, I would probably go you know, Pulisic on the bench, just because I do think Ziyech offers yeah. us, that's something different. But, yeah, yeah, true. I'd agree there. But yeah, even he didn't do too much today. No. Um, I yeah. think with Ziyech, you sort of had that one brilliant ball in, but somehow oh, yeah. nobody got anything on it. But yeah, yeah it was, yeah, it, it was frustrating, really. I get, my main hope is that, you know, Frank, because I know people are like critical of Lamp. My main hope is he was just resting people for Leicester. That's my main hope because if Kovacic and Jorginho start against Leicester, that to mm. me makes no sense. So that's that's what I'm hoping today was rotation really. But it was a big, it was a bold move to make, and Mount Mason Very thankfully true. bailed him out. <laughs> <laughs> Next <laughs> question true. comes in from Jer. He asked, "What is it going to take for Lampard to start Callum and Pulisic on the wings consistently? They are." two complete out-and-out wingers while moving Ziyech centrally to be a creator. While that sounds all good, uh, Jer, my main question to you then is what happens to Kai Havertz? I mean, he wasn't involved today, which again, disappointed me, but it is what it is. Uh, Jack? What? Between those three, would I play those three? So would you, what is it going to take for Callum and Puley to be on the wings and then Ziyech to be in I guess midfield in that sort of creator I, role. To be honest with you, I don't think I don't think he'll go down that route. Um, based on the formations, I just don't see it happening really. Because you could you, you could argue you might lose Mason to that if he's playing like that. Um, yeah, I just I don't see it happening to be honest. Fair enough, Ellie. Yeah, that was literally what I was going to say as well. That in that when you if you play Zia just this 10 role that suggests that you're likely playing a 4-2-3-1 in which Mason doesn't really have a spot. And I think that Mason has kind of proved how important that he is to the side. And while he is a very adaptable player, I don't really see him playing that deep in a pivot uh, in the pitch. I think that he's really important to Frank Lampard's press and to the energy and making really important interceptions in in dangerous areas and we've just seen how important he is to the team so for those reasons I don't really see Frank shifting the formation um, that much yeah no I agree I don't think realistically I don't think we're going to see ZH in that midfield for the time being 
anyway. And again, as I say, if we do, then what does that do for Kai Havertz? You know, he didn't start today. I was surprised, but it is what it is. And, you know, we won the game. Uh, the next question comes in from RJ. He says, given the result, was Frank justified with his selections, particularly with Leicester up next? So basically, what did the lineup gamble? Was the lineup worth it? I think it was a really big gamble and it almost didn't pay off. I think that one of the main reasons why it did pay off is because Fulham got a red card and Chelsea got pretty lucky with that. And you can argue that with a red card, then you now have 10 players behind the ball, but Fulham still looked pretty dangerous on the counter-attack as well. We looked pretty dreadful for the first half and parts of the second half as well. So... I think that we're lucky that we got the win. And if we got anything less than a win, people would have been absolutely fuming. But I think that we, I just think that we got lucky with the players. Like he got let off in my opinion. Yeah. Jack. Yeah. I agree really, to be fair. I think it's justified because of the subs he made. Callum comes on and, creates a bit of magic and then Mason finishes it off but that might not have happened if he's not not made the substitutions I guess you can say maybe it has paid off because Callum's only had to pay 20 minutes done something good that's helped the team score a goal and then start on Tuesday but I don't know if he will so Mm -hmm. we'll see Um, yeah I guess you at the end of the day you'll have to say it paid off because we've we've got the three points um, and that's all he needed today. It didn't risk one of those again. We seem to be having quite a few of these this season. Um, just get the three points and forget about it on to the next one because we've got bigger things to come. Yeah, exactly. As I said, you know, I, there was quite a lot of discontent at the time when the lineup came out, and I completely understood that it was a very underwhelming lineup. I think it's one of those where you just have to be patient and see how it plays out. It worked today. We got the win. If we see a different lineup against Leicester and we say, see, Kante, Mount, Havertz in midfield. We see Callum and one of Ziyech or Puli on the wings and then whoever up top and maybe Reese back for Aspi. And then we get the, wit, the result. And yeah, you've got to say, okay, fair play to Frank. These two games, he's managed them well. But today was so close to not being managed well and being, you know, potentially fatal for the top four. Because we can't, we can't afford to, you know, mm. I didn't agree with the lineup because I didn't think at this stage you can take risks. We've got to just try and get the job done. But it is what it is. Like, I don't want to be too harsh on Frank because he got bailed out. And I've two of the last three pods where I've basically passionately tried to, to fight Frank's corner and defend him. So we don't need to do that today because the job got done. Uh, the next question comes in from Connock. He says, is being Academy FC such a bad thing after all, as, as, we, as was portrayed by some last season, since the Academy lads still seem to be carrying us again Tammy, I thought Tammy made a decent impact when he came on. Yeah. Callum made an impact when he came on, and then Mason got the goal. Ellie, these academy boys yeah. doing all right, aren't they? Yeah, I think that they've arguably been our best players <laughs> and most important ones. So it just goes to show, like that the academy, the reason for the academy is for exactly this: for Chelsea to be able to mold talent and find talent and then incorporate it into their team and it doesn't cost 
and you don't have to buy these players. Their cost is zero because they came through the academy. So that's exactly what we want to see Chelsea doing with this with the academy. And I think that uh, maybe sometimes it gets a bad rep. I don't know why, um, but they've they've done really good and they're carrying the team right now, definitely. Yeah, Jack. Yeah, definitely. It's just a good good advert for the academy. I mean. I don't think there's been any doubt that Chelsea have got the best academy in the world for the last 10 years or so. They win every everything, youth cups every year, won the youth Champions League a few times, things like that. Got players that play international all-age groups and it's just good to finally see those players being given the chance because that's what it is at the end of the day. There's players that we've had over the years that were good enough and probably due to Chelsea's policy with managers and them being under so much pressure um, with their jobs that they just haven't been able to trust these players. And Frank's been able to do that last year and some of these boys have been able to take their chance and and stay in that team. So it's just, it's been great to see and it's good for the younger boys as well now that are in the lower age groups because they see people like Mason Mount, Tammy, and they'll see there is a pathway to playing in that first team. So it's only going to benefit those younger teams as well. Yeah, no, exactly. I think, you know, Mason is is probably, in if he's not our player, he's probably a 60, 70 million pound player that a lot of a lot of clubs are wanting. Tammy's probably a 50, maybe 50, 60 million pound striker that a lot of clubs are wanting. So yeah, I, on, I don't think it's a bad thing to be, you know, labelled Academy FC. Obviously, when Frank came in, he said he didn't want to just be viewed as like bringing the Academy players and he wants to be, a success here but he's we've shown that these academy players when they play are more than good enough I mean it I think today and we'll get onto it later it's just showing how much we miss Reese James and this was a player last year who was you know he broke through but wasn't didn't nail down that first team spot at right back as be still still was the man and still the man we felt most confident with and we've shown Reese's progression this year you know Billy Gilmore coming through I don't think it's a bad thing to be labeled academy I've seen I don't think it's a bad thing for people to like these academy players because it's a financial incentive. It saves you a lot, a lot of money bringing them through and doing a job. So, yeah, honestly, Academy FC, well, they're not bad, Academy FC. We've got a lot of top players who will have good careers with us, I'm sure. And it's not just Frank who will play them, people. If a next manager comes in, I'm pretty sure most of these boys will still be in the picture. So, yeah, Academy FC, it's not a bad thing at all, Connock. It's not a bad thing at all. Right, guys, we'll be back in a sec for part two to continue answering your questions. Welcome back to part two. We're still answering your questions. Next one comes in from a good friend of ours, Jan. He asks, do you agree that we lacked creativity? Ellie. (laughs) Damn. He's like one of my best friends. Um, Yeah, I do. I think if you have Kovacic and Jordi and you're on the pitch, likely you'll lack creativity but I was personally disappointed because we did have the likes of Pulisic, Ziyech, Giroud like nobody looked like they were creating anything except Mason Mount and it was really frustrating I think. Yeah I think Giroud you know had a hold up play was all right at times he had that nice sort of little dummy I think that led to Ziyech or whatever in the first half but yeah I think we did struggle creatively. Uh, Jack? Yeah just yes is the simple answer massively especially in the first half um we struggled 
I think we just said with like someone like Pulisic over the last few weeks and stuff, he's he's so desperate to try and do something to help the team, try and score a goal, try and create something. But he tries, he almost tries too hard, and that's what it seems like. It's just not quite going for him at the moment. Um, so yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens on Tuesday again. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Callum starts, and I think he should over him. Yeah. Agreed. Next question comes in from a couple of people. Kamal and JR Center, I believe. Sorry if I've got that number. I literally just come in, so that's why I'm including you now. He go, we go, what do we do about Timo Werner going forward? Do we play him against Leicester? Do we bench him? What do we do? Ellie? I think he needs to be benched. I feel terrible. I don't know if you guys saw that picture after the game yeah. where Timo had his head down and Frank had his uh, arm over his shoulder. I felt so terrible. It just broke my heart because Timo Werner is a really good player. There's a good striker in there. He wouldn't have scored so many goals at Leipzig if he wasn't a good striker, but he just seems so low on confidence. He's overthinking everything, goals that he definitely should have scored. He's not scoring. And confidence is just so important, especially when you're a striker. If you're just constantly overthinking every single Ask. obviously it's not going to come off so I just really really feel for him but versus Leicester it's just such a big game I don't think that we can risk starting him Tammy and Giroud both looked good especially Tammy I was impressed with today so I would start Tammy personally and I think Werner maybe just needs some time on the bench last season we saw that Pulisic was on the bench it did him some good and he came back and was ready to fight and he did really well so I'm hoping that that's more or less the same with Werner yeah, Jack. Anything to add? I um, I just think it's such a hard one to try and decipher what to do. To be honest, because you put him on the bench and he starts to think, "Oh, Frank doesn't trust me now. I'm not good enough." Things like that, and his confidence is gonna be drained even more. And then if he's playing and like today missing a chance like that that he's got to put away, it makes it even worse. It's it's just one of those that's so hard to manage and decide what to do. I mean, Leicester sometimes play quite a high line, so it, it could potentially suit him, to be fair. But I, I like Ellie, think Tammy probably did enough to start today. I thought he was brilliant when he came on, just showed the hunger and desire, the pressing for him, just chasing loose balls that you wouldn't see Giroud really doing. Um, things like that, just getting the team going. Um, so I think he should start. Yeah, no, I'm going to echo what both these two have just said. And I think Timo just needs to be out of the limelight for, for a bit. And I think that after Leicester midweek, I believe it's the Luton game of the weekend. So again, that might be the perfect opportunity to start him there, try and get a bit more confidence back into Timo. The next question comes in from Dwayne, and it's a painful one. He says, is it the end of the road for Azpilicueta? He has struggled recently in the Premier League the last two games. You can't see this, Ben. He's got a big frown on her face. She is not happy about happy to answer this question. I guess I'll go first to miss. I thought Anthony Robinson burned him quite a few times in the first half. And I thought even after that, Ricard Aspi was uh, still quite suspect. Um, I think we've seen this season, but it is perhaps, you know, we're going to see Reese now back in Reese is sort of taking over that position as he is sort of making way he has sort of maybe been slowly phased out up till injury but Jack is it the end of the road for Azpilicueta a man we love so much 
Um, yeah, for the for the team wanting to go forward and progress, yeah, I think it is. Um, no disrespect to someone like Robinson, but when you're seeing players like that go past him that easily, Lookman went past him quite a few times, and he just looks a bit, bit leggy almost. Um, you, you can't fault the bloke. He he puts in a hundred percent every week, but it's just starting to look like the standard in the Premier League is a little bit too much for him. Um, and I mean, I'm not gonna take the stance of what some Chelsea fans will be doing and properly getting onto him because I think that's a complete lack of respect for him. He's just just played his 400th Premier League game for him or 400th appearance for Chelsea and is only the 13th player to ever do that for us. So he's definitely going to go down as a club legend and an absolute steal for 8 million or whatever it was, something around that region. But now going forward, yeah, I think it's it's starting to look like it's the start of the end. Yeah, unfortunately, I do sort of get Ivanovic 15-16 season vibes at times from him. But thankfully, it's not been that bad just yet. Um, Ellie, is it the end of the road for us, Blaquetta? Don't, like, I, I'm getting emotional, honestly, thinking about it because he's one of my favourite, favourite players. Um, I started following Chelsea when I studied abroad in 2014 and he was like kind of just going onto the scene and he's like one of the players that made me fall in love with Chelsea so much. So I'm like crying thinking about him like moving on. Obviously, you know, we are in very good hands with Reese James. Oh my God, if he could see this, I swear to God, I'm such a good supporter of him. <laughs> um, but I, you know, you can tell that the age is getting to him, but, um, you know, he's, he's such a, he's been such a good servant for the club. The slack that he gets is just stupid because he's been unbelievable and he's just getting older and that happens, but yeah. Yeah. I think Cesar Azpilicueta, it might be the end of the road from as a first team player. I think he still might have a role to play, hopefully as a squad player. And if he was happy to accept that role, I think we'd all be, pretty happy with that but be, I think it'll be massive in the changing room as well someone with his experience has won a lot of trophies it'll be big for that squad so if he if he's willing to accept that his role is going to be uh, sort of minimalised over the rest of the season or if he stayed for another season then I think it's still good for the club to keep him Yeah, I, I think... just think back to that like did you guys remember that City game when it was like after the restart and I think we were down like 1-0 or we we were playing they had like all of the possession and then there was like uh, at the water break you could overhear his conversation mm -hmm. and he was just saying it's okay guys it's okay we just have to do this this and like that was just so inspiring to me and that's what he brings to the team you know yeah no I like Ellie, honestly, I absolutely adore Cesar Azpilicueta, a modern legend, an absolute... Big up, Dave. Big up, Dave. <laughs> Dave appreciation for a minute, you know. Was it £7 million or whatever from Marseille yeah, or whatever it was? What a career he has had at Chelsea. And look, hopefully, you know, it, this isn't like the end of him, but if it is, what a career. What a man, a modern Chelsea legend, a man who... And a big example as well, Jack, of, you know, a player from overseas who just comes and absolutely falls in love with Chelsea Football Club. Uh, yeah, you definitely. Know, can, honestly, I couldn't think of anyone better to be 
club captain of Chelsea Football Club. What a man, Cesar Azpilicueta is. And look, I'm sure we'll see him against Mork, uh, against Luton in the FA Cup. But yeah, I think it is time for Reese to, to take over now. And he can, be, he can be our man for the next decade or so. Right, this question is a slightly negative one from Zed. He asked, what do you think the problem is with the way we're playing right now and our bad results? Obviously, today we won, but it wasn't a vintage performance. He goes, is it Lampard? Is it the players? Is it a just, or is it just a tough patch that will eventually pass soon? Jack, for me, the, the one thing that became was quite obvious to me today was there didn't seem to be a huge amount of confidence in this Chelsea team. Yeah. I think when I looked on my pitch, I sort of only really looked at Mason Mount and maybe Thiago Silva as ones who actually looked like they were really confident out there. Um, for me, that's sort of the thing. Hopefully, this is a springboard. But is it? Is it Frank? Is it the players? Is it what is it? A tough patch. It's, it's been quite hard to explain, really, hasn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those you just got to say it's a bit of everything, really. Um, confidence is the biggest one, though. You, for any sport, I think. Um, confidence is massive people that say it doesn't affect them they're lying Um, and you you can see it on the pitch we are low on confidence Um, like you said Nick only a few really showing that they can sort of keep performing and just keep trying to drive the team forward Um, I mean over the past few weeks you can say yeah Frank's got a part to play in that like the City game we're saying don't know why we've gone and attack them like we have in the first first half and then we've got absolutely finished by them. Um, and then, yeah, personnel as well. Just, it's, again, links back to the confidence there, lacking confidence, then it rubs off on everyone else. Even Mendy starting to look shaky now, uh, conceding more goals. So, yeah, it's just a combination of both. We have had some hard fixtures as well. Um, I wouldn't say our... Uh, sort of patch of fixtures is getting any easier to be honest um there's some tough fixtures coming so it's hard to say like oh we've got some easy games coming up we should be able to build the confidence we've seemed to say this springboard comment quite a few times this season after performance and then we go on and lose the next one so the next game is honestly massive could be a really big um, potential turning point in our season if we can go and put in a big performance on Tuesday and get a big result. Yeah, Ellie, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that, you know, I, I asked this question to myself because we did go on a 17-game unbeaten run. We were keeping a lot of clean sheets, scoring a lot of goals and everything looked really good. And then all of a sudden, it just cracked and... The team looks totally devoid of confidence, and I, other than that, I, I just don't. I don't have the answers to what really has gone wrong. I don't understand myself. I we've been playing the same formation, the same players. Maybe the opponents have been a little bit more difficult, but I think that perhaps the team just hasn't been good enough, hasn't been clinical enough. There were some instances where we've been really unlucky. We've hit the crossbar a couple of times, but. I just think as a whole, maybe if your confidence is so low, like you're just overthinking everything, the passes just don't come off right. And we've just seen that throughout the pitch, bar Thiago Silva and Mason Mount and Callum Hudson-Odoi for the 15 minutes that he was on. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think the thing that was perhaps most starting for me is I thought actually after 1-0, when we went one that was that was when I felt most uncomfortable about the game because I thought the game management from the team wasn't great. I thought... 
like as I think Jamie Carragher's guy said, it was like becoming like a game of basketball. And when you're one yeah. up with a man advantage, you do not want it to become like that. The midfield, on me, I know it. You know you're going to have issues because we become more attacking. But Fulham just found when Fulham decided to play, they were causing us more problems in that, that final 10 minutes. And for me, that sort of goes down to confidence. Again, there's a chance I think we could have run it to the corner late on yeah. and instead we try and play an ambitious ball and we lose it or there's a touch and then Fulham can go down the other end and attack. Exactly. I think with Frank and his team, the game management is an area we need to improve because from 1-0 up, that should be a really comfortable end to it's that game. experience, isn't it? We've yeah, just got to knock it, knock it about and keep the ball not not allowing or not committing too much to go and try and get the second goal. That's, we were literally like, as we were, it was still nil-nil. We were desperate to go and score again. And like you said, Nick, the the threat on the counter-attack was uh, pretty big the whole game. So I don't know what we were doing in the last few minutes, but yeah, thankfully it didn't, yeah. didn't have a bad impact. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, the next question comes in from Stuart. He goes... Why so much negativity after a hard-fought win away at a local rival who have only lost one in who had only lost one in their last six and were extremely well organised? Yet we have seventy percent possession and get the three points. Um, Twitter is will mo. I think this this is where you've got to be careful. I think the way it is at the moment, people have got everyone's got their own expectations and views of this team. I think a lot of the time people don't use context. I think if they've got a set idea, it's going to take a lot to actually disturb that idea. And it's quite easy to avoid context. I don't think today was vintage. I don't think you'll, you, you'll hear any Chelsea fans, you know, jumping for joy. But at the same time, I don't think people should really be so negative and so down in the dumps. Look, I, I haven't actually checked Twitter timeline after full time so I'm probably not the best to, to comment on this because I, I basically stayed clear of it during the game <laughs> but I think look people have got their own expectations people despite Fulham's recent form will still see them as a relegation side and still think we're probably a lot better than we are at this point so I think you're going to always get disagreements um, Ellie that, that was really well said honestly um, I think you hit the nail on the head because at least what I saw, a lot of people were saying before the game as well, Fulham, it's going to be super easy. We should be winning this 3-4 now. I said, it's not going to be that easy. Look at their recent form. They drew against Liverpool, Southampton, and Tottenham for all above us at the table. It's not going to be an easy game by any means. We shouldn't underestimate them. So I think that people's expectations are just not aligned. And I understand the frustration because during the game, we did not play well. We just didn't. For a solid 65 minutes or so, we just looked so shaky. And then towards the end, we looked shaky. So the tactics were questionable. Uh, the management was questionable. But at the end of the day, you have to try to take it for what it is. It's three points. It's a win. And we just need to try to move forward from this and hope that the team can build off of this, get a bit of confidence going into the Leicester game, and then continue to keep building. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And the final question comes in from our good friend Andrew. He says, and this all relates to this question, is saying that Fulham drew with Liverpool and Spurs a viable justification for how we set up, took chances and performed overall? And if you had to give a crude score out of 10 with that in mind, please. So, Jack? I think I get... you, well, you can always look at the results of others, can't you? I mean, I watched the 
their game against Spurs the other day. And I know Spurs are one of those teams, they score a goal, Jose style, sit back. And I know they allowed Fulham to have the ball, but I thought Fulham were absolutely quality the other night and fully deserved that draw. If not, could have won it, to be honest with you. So, yeah, you've got to look at those results and their and their form and say that Scott Parker's completely changed changed their team. A month ago, they'd concede a goal and they'd concede another four and they collapse and now he's got them organised. And so you do have to give us some credit for that, for going and being able, being able to finally break them down. Um, but again, like we've discussed, the overall performance was not not the best, but we got the job done. So I'd probably give it a five or a six, probably a six because we won. Fair enough. Yeah. Ellie? Yeah, I don't have uh, too much to add. I think that in Frank's eyes, it was a must-win game. So he was setting up very pragmatically thinking, I'm going to start all of my senior players because I want to have experience out on the pitch. And he probably was looking at the past fixtures saying uh, that Fulham have been playing really well and they have drawn against these really good teams and we need to find a way to break them down, which isn't going to be easy. And we need to get a win because it's such an important game. Um, I would give it a five. I and I think I'm being a little bit generous. I'm giving him five because we won. But if not, it would have been lower. Yeah, it would have been I, probably zero if we hadn't won. <laughs> the, yeah, the goal saved. It would have been in big trouble, honestly. Dreadful. Yeah, I think because I think with Andrew says this, you know, the setup. You know, obviously mm. that midfield was grim. It was grim. Yeah. It offered pretty much nothing that whole game. And look. You know, I, as I said, I think Georgie and Kovacic look better in the second half, but it's easy when you've got 10 men and you've got all the ball to look good. You know, mm-hmm. it, I don't think they offered really anything. So, yeah, I don't think the setup helped. I don't think the setup was sensible for Fulham. Again, like Ellie said, I think Frank was going for leaders. I think Matt Law tweeted before the game. That's the impression he got with, you know, all those players in the team. Um, yeah, we didn't. In terms of chances, I think most of our chances, quite a few of our chances came from corners. We were quite a threat from set pieces mm. the whole game. Didn't necessarily create a huge amount in open play. Yeah, we won. The result bails Frank out. It wasn't a great lineup. But again, like I sort of said previously, I do think context is important. We can't be too critical and too harsh because we're not. Fulham may well get relegated but they're a lot better than the side that went down previously and they will cause more teams problems this season. I mean, look, they played, they drew with Liverpool one or a few weeks ago and they were pretty unlucky, I'd say, not to win that. Again, like Jack said, unlucky not to beat Spurs. They're causing teams problems and they look a decent, well-drilled set-up side. So you, you don't want to be too critical when we've won, especially also I think you've then got to take into that the confidence is pretty low at the moment. So the, the, the main thing that pleased me was we had a man advantage and we actually made use of it. It would be such a Chelsea thing to do in the past to, with an extra man to not make any use of it. So, just. yeah, just. Mason bailed us out at the end. But, yeah, five <laughs> or six out of ten. It wasn't fantastic. But, you know, I'm not going to be – I'm not going to mo. I'm not going to be negative. I don't think there's any point really being negative after a win because if you're negative after a win, then, you know – Maybe just try and try and be a bit happier and sort sort things out in your <laughs> life. Just be a happy person. Um, but that wraps up this episode of our Chelsea podcast. I want to extend a massive thanks to Ellie for coming on. She was a superb guest. Ellie, it was a pleasure. Where can people follow you on Twitter? 
Thank you so much again for having me. Um, and yeah, my at is Ellie uh, underscore Helenek. It's like the name Helen with E-K at the end. That's the easiest way that I can explain it to people. My last name looks a lot more like... Complicated uh, than it is. Yeah, complicated <laughs> than it actually is. Um, yeah, so I post everything that you need to know on Twitter. And then I did start my YouTube with my name, Elizabeth Helenek. And, you know, if you want to follow me on Instagram or whatever, that's cool, too. I don't post so much, but. Yeah, no, guys, check out Ellie. She is, you know, on the whole, pretty positive, level-headed character on Twitter. And to be honest, at times, that can be quite hard to find. And it can I try be, to be. Yeah, I try to, try to be. be. <laughs> and it can be very hard at times to do that. And, you know, especially when we're not in the best place. I think it is a good, you know, she honestly, she's a a brilliant follow and she's you know helped us out you know by coming on the pod and we interact she's honestly a great account so make sure you check her out and as i said if you you know if you're familiar with her twitter videos and you want you know an extended version perhaps a bit more detail where she doesn't have to rush with a time limit go check her out honestly she is she's she's doing bits you know she's done some stuff on the premier league she's definitely a person who i think you guys will see certainly a lot more of in the future so yeah check her out she is awesome um jack i want to thank you for coming on uh no problem. <laughs> yeah sorry jack i feel like quite bad after all i'm big yelling up that much and i've just that got you ending was just so beautiful i'm gonna cry <laughs> oh i'm such a charmer but jack i feel bad man thanks for coming on top 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 as always from you that's all right mate thank and you. uh for us you can follow us on twitter at that chelsea pod on instagram at that chelsea pod we're on your usual podcast platform providers and uh, until the next episode everybody keep the blue flag flying high sports social podcast network okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, forward, by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.